Welcome back. It's been quite a while, but again, welcome back to the salt, light, and the city where you're seen, you're loved, and you're heard. Um, it's it's been a long time. It's been quite a while, and on behalf of the whole team, and of course myself, I apologize. But at the same time, I don't, because this was a time in my life when there was a lot of change, a lot of thinking, or a lot of not thinking. But a lot of things happened, and things happened the way that they really needed to. And for that, I don't apologize. But I do apologize for keeping y'all waiting. And I hope that the fruits from this period can, can be shared with you all. And of course, as we always do, if we could start in the prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us back to this place. Thank you for calling us to be your children. Thank you for calling us to be your workers, to do your bidding. We ask St. Paul, shine your light upon us. Help us to see through our enclosed eyes. Enlighten us with your words and help us keep them close to our hearts. Lead us to our strength, which is him when we feel weak because his power is made perfect in weakness. Shine your light and we will follow. We ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, God forever and ever. Amen. St. Paul, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. So, yeah, kind of where I was starting at. It's been a pretty crazy time. There's been a lot going on. Obviously, if you kept up with us, then you probably would have seen that Alora and I went to World Youth Day, and that was such an amazing experience now, and it's been three years, and I'm sure we'll be bearing the fruits of what happened there in Lisbon for the rest of our lives, uh, especially within these next couple of years or so. Uh, we, we know we didn't, we didn't finish those, those last two days, day four and day five, which all in all, the way, the way that I'll put it, I'll just mostly speak for myself on this, that I was given a renewed love for the Mass, being there, and of course everything that I said in, in the previous episodes from that you know special series, but especially, especially being there, seeing so many people, so many young people come together and just worship God, being there for God. And that's something that I think a lot of, you know, people on the outside who didn't go would, would, you know, love to point the finger and would love to, you know, get after us for it or, or whatever. You know, I saw some people on, on social media talking about how the devil's in Lisbon, you know, like the Pope isn't this, or he said, he said this, he said that. And it was, it was, it was really off-putting to see such negativity around it. Like, if you look at our Instagram and see our pinned posts about World Youth Day, you'll see there are a lot of negative comments, mostly negative comments, and it, it's it's heartbreaking because they choose to not see the goodness that's there of people coming together 
and worshiping Christ. And I mean people coming together from everywhere, from all nations. There are people from the Middle East who travel hours for daily mass. And they say that they will continue to do it again and again because that's how valuable the Eucharist is. You have people like me who is blessed to be in such a very Catholic community, to be in a community where things are easily accessible for me. And you have others who, with their faith on the fence, go in the hopes that they'll see something happen. But regardless, nobody can bring together a crowd like that of Christ. And it was just such an amazing experience for everyone to be in there and worship God, worship Christ and receive him in the Eucharist. And there's, of course, a lot of debate on, oh, this wasn't done well, that wasn't done well. Of course, it, like, it, it's not going to be perfect. It's a massive event. You can't, like, and again, to some people, some things are obvious. Fine. Let that be the case. But if you're going to take away the validity of the Eucharist just because of who's giving it, well, then I don't take that up with me, ultimately. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I don't have any say about, like, you know, oh, the, the, the priest, self-priest should be ones giving it, not Eucharistic ministers. Well, I, I'm focused on Jesus. I don't know about y'all, I'm focused on Jesus. And that was very important for me. That was really important for me to be, to be focused on Christ because the summer leading up to it, like we had a episode, I think, with my, my little cousin. I think that was like one of the last ones that we did about our confirmation. I kinda, it it kind of went dry, I'll be honest. Like my faith life, yeah, I was still kind of going to daily mass-ish, but definitely put... I didn't mean to put the podcast to the side, but I just lost inspiration for it. And it it went to the side and, you know, I was trying to not beat myself up for it. And I had, you know, my friends and my family telling me like, you know, if, if you're not in the right headspace, then, then, then don't record because you want this content to be good. You want it to be right. And you want to make sure you're in the right place to tell it. And I, I mean, I took it, but... In my head, it was kind of like, that's no excuse. That's no excuse. This is simply putting in time and, and, you know, putting effort into it. And in the end of the day, they were right. Like, it's a lot more than putting in effort. Like, this, I want this to be quality. I want this to be what God wants it to be, not what I want it to be. I don't want to just get out episodes to get out episodes. I want to get out episodes because there's something that God has for you and for me every week or every other week or however whatever our our recording and release schedule will look like like i want this to be proper and with that said like i've been posting about not being in the podcast and not working and a lot of you guys have you know reached out and offered your prayers and i'm telling you like it means the world your prayers have been felt they have been heard Every week, God reminds me that this is a mission, that SLC is something that I should be doing, right? And of course, when I'm ready on my own time and my own capacity, but it is something that God wants me doing. Your prayers have been heard. 
SLC certainly is not forgotten. It, we've just started, and we're going to keep going to new heights. We're going to shine that much brighter. And, I mean, with that said, we're going to be starting a new series. And I thought it was very fitting in our, in our returning episode to be starting a new series. It's called Journeying, just simply Journeying. And it's about what it means to, to journey with Christ or journey to Christ, wherever, wherever you may be at in your faith life. You're either journeying to Christ or you're journeying with Christ. Or you've completed your journey and that means you're dead. <laughs> but regardless, this is, this is something that I think a lot of us can relate to. Because it's not just journeying with Christ and consolation. It's more so journeying with Christ when we don't feel him there. I mean, the technical term would be desolation, yes, but I don't even mean desolation. I mean more so the people who are, are, are faithful, you know, they go, they go Sunday Mass, we go to Sunday Mass, show up, and then we live life, but God seems to just be distant. And there's the, I'll have more on that a bit later, but what it means to, to journey in life, what that means, right? And the saints of this series, as you might have picked up from the prayer, is John Paul II. I gave a little testimony over the World Youth Day episodes about the role JP2 has played in my life this past year. For that reason, and those reasons, he is the saint of this series. And as we go on, I mean, again, I've said, I've said a bit about his life, but we'll continue. I'll continue to, to tell a bit more about him as we go on in, in further episodes. But for, for this opening episode, um, I want to point out that JP2 lost everyone. He lost his whole family before the age of like 23, I think. He lost all of his siblings too, I think. I could be getting this wrong. I don't have it on me. and like I don't have the information on me, but he lost his whole family. Everybody that he loved died. And it was just him. And here's a man who had every right to question God and what he was doing and why he was doing it. And I'm, I, I am 100% sure he did question but the questioning didn't stop him from doing what God asked. He continued to move forward and do what the Lord wanted him to do. One of the passages that really resonates with that, something that I sat with last weekend and that I chose to be the set of verse, the passage for this series, to be honest, when Peter was called to be part of Jesus's ministry, specifically when he was first called. This is Luke 5, 1 to 11. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake the fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, 
he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But at your command, I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. They came and filled both boats so that they were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him. And likewise, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. Now, you could expect sometime along the series that we would do, you know, sort of Lexio prayer with this, but I really just want to focus on, 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 on what that means for us, how that goes for us whenever we're asked by God to do something. What do we respond with? What do we say? If you were Simon and you were in the same scenario and he said put out into the deep after a long night of fishing you've caught literally nothing you were you've been working your tail off all day all night you and two of your friends working hard just maybe at this point just trying to get some food what what would you say Simon says, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command, I will lower the nets. I can't help but think that JP2 was in a very similar situation to this. I can't help but think our current Pope right now is in a very similar situation to this. The feeling that we have done so much to no avail. The questioning of Am I doing anything? Is it worth it? Am I really making any difference? Am I really making any impact? I think a lot of us sit at that position right now. And I think there are a lot of times where, you know, maybe this call isn't that drastic, right? Like to start a podcast or to go start preaching or to, you know, maybe that nudge is just, hey, come back to confession. Maybe that nudge is come back to mass. Maybe that nudge is experience one daily mass. Maybe that nudge, that call is, why don't you invite your friend to come? And I think many of us are like the young man who when he asked Christ, what else do I need to do that I might be guaranteed heaven? When Christ says, leave everything behind and follow me, and he's sad. 
because he had many possessions. After even seeing all the great commandments that have been given him, the last commandment Jesus asked him was to give everything up to follow him. And he went away sad. And verse 11 of Luke 5 is direct of what these three did, of what Peter, James, and John did, who are commonly regarded as the apostles who represent faith, hope, and charity. It says, when they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. Now, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about, like genuinely, it's so easy for me to sit here. I could talk about this all day, but to do it, to actually do it is like one of the, it's probably the hardest thing that Christ has ever asked of man, and he knows it. He knows it. Because pride, the words of J. Cole, pride is the devil. Pride is the root of all sin. That's where it starts. And to give everything up, to follow him, not knowing what may come in the future, not knowing what obstacles you may face, not knowing what opposition you would face, what persecution, what certain deaths you might face. To give up everything and to follow him is the hardest thing he'll ever ask, but is probably the only thing and the most important thing he'll ever ask you to do. Everything else that Christ will ask you to do would stem from that call to follow him, your vocation, whether it's to have a family or to be part of holy orders, whatever your smaller vocations might be, like for me, playing soccer and, and having a podcast, that he asked me to do that because that's the work that he assigned me. But I agreed and I told him that I would follow him and this is where I am. And thank God, right? And looking, looking back at it in this past summer, you know, leading up to World Youth Day, it was a very, very dry time in my life. It was a dry time in, in my faith. I'd be going to daily mass. I would still be doing kind of just living, living my normal life. But it was really dry. I'd be at normal, uh, daily mass and there wasn't much. And I just really lost inspiration. Like my, my faith life fizzled out very suddenly out of nowhere, and I didn't really think too much of it, right? And I started, you know, thinking about the podcast and not recording, and again, that, that whole fight of trying to not beat myself up for not recording and stuff. But genuinely, there, was, there wasn't really anything there. And we were building up to World Youth Day. And so going into World Youth Day, I'm like, man, like I really, really, you know, I was... I wasn't, I said outwardly, I'm not really hoping something will happen, but, you know, like not expecting anything, but expecting anything. Like, I knew God's providence. Like, there's times where I come in to even just like a holy hour, and I'm like, okay, even if I'm like trying to supervise other people, you know, it, it could be easy to forget that like, no, the invitation to 
to worship and to adore Christ and whatever that might be, even if you're just overseeing someone else or you're, you know, like you're the missionary for a retreat and you're, you're going to lead other people, you're like, okay, well, this is about them. It's about them, not about me. God will be like, no, 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 no. We, we, there's always something for you. And World Youth Day, what I got, again, was just a renewed love for the Mass and how important that was. Because after World Youth Day, coming back home, I was sitting here at the Church of the, of the Incarnation here at the University of Dallas. And I just, I had this, this, this feeling, this notion. And I heard God tell me, you will be going through a very dark time this semester. I don't know how long, if it's going to go past this semester, but I knew, I knew going into school, I would be going into a rather dark time. And I don't mean, like, depressed, because I'm not. But I do mean unsure. I do mean muddled. I do mean I don't know what in the world is going on. I do mean confused. And he was right. He warned me. And I prepared for it. I kind of underestimated it because I'm like, oh, this isn't the darkest night I've ever had. This isn't the worst time I've ever had. But it it really took a toll on me. It took a toll on on my classes because I I really couldn't focus. I was late to a good number of classes. Um, and yeah, it was it was. It was really, really getting to me. It would keep me up at night. It was, it was a very, very deep struggle, and it, it, it still is. It still is. But I've, I've learned to deal with it. Because what ended up happening is my, my value started going into other places, and I genuinely believe if it wasn't for my love of the mass, I probably like that renewed love, I wouldn't have gotten back to this point of, re of recording again. Because that is, that it held me on. It kept me connected to him. And that was such a great, amazing gift that I was given. And the turning point for all of this really was this past weekend. I to start, I just, just want to shout out Focus, especially the Focus missionaries here on campus at UD. Like, I love every single one of them to death. They have been such great brothers and sisters. I look up to each one of them. They are just some of the best people I have ever met in my life. And honest to God, if you are on a college campus and you want to rekindle, get back to your relationship with Christ, go to your focus, missionaries. Go, like seriously. And if not, then find a way to go to seek and make connections there. Because genuinely, like these people, they mean the best. I, I'm, I don't mean to do a focus promo in the middle of the whole episode, but I do genuinely mean it. Focus is doing something so good. 
and the people that are part of the program. Like, granted, I'm sure not all of them are perfect. I, I don't expect them to. You don't need all of them. You need one. You need one person who has been in your positions, who has been ahead of you, who is opening up themselves to do God's work. These are people that embody Luke 5, 1 to 11. They do. Because a lot of them left behind their childhood dreams, potential jobs, where they could be perfectly settled. And they choose to be missionaries, to provide God's word, God's love, God's truth to young people. And again, I, don't, I really don't mean for this to be a focused promo. I could speak all day about them. But this past weekend, we had a retreat called the Father's House. There's multiple around the place, but this one was for Texas. And, oh, it was just so good. And I knew I needed it because leading up to the retreat, there was just a lot on my mind. And I was getting, you know, I got, I got sick because of anxiety. Oh, my my mind was racked with worriedness about classes, about how to even talk, how to even talk to professors about things. Like, normally, it wouldn't ever be a problem, but it was. Everything became a problem. I became worried about every single little thing, and it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And at the just very last minute, the very last minute, I, I signed up for the retreat. And before I got there, I realized, like, no, I need this because I need to sit down. I need to, to duke it out. I need to sit in front of God and figure this out. Of course, not, not by myself. I don't mean that all. I'm going to figure this out by myself. But to figure it out with God, with his assistance and what, what was going on. And ultimately, what I realized was... First of all, when I was a kid, uh, if, you, if you knew me from, from back then, you would know, like, I had no fears. <laughs> I would go at everything, anything, take it on, going right at it, right at it, nothing to lose, or at least living like I had nothing to lose. And I, a lot of us live that way as kids, carefree, not worried, just going and just, you know, Live in life. And I realized that up to now, it's the opposite. And again, I know a lot of us are like this, where we live so cautious about things, meticulous about things. Even if we're not necessarily meticulous about it, we're worried about it. We're worried about the small things that either one, don't matter, two, haven't happened, or three, we're just so focused on it that we forget what's going on around us. And for me, this has been the case for the past couple of years. I mean, I've told my story on here before, and I thought that my mistake that I made in eighth grade, that I thought that I was, in the, I was at the tail end of the healing process. I'm like, okay, you know, I learned my, my lesson, and I moved on, and I'm, I'm living a better life. But the lesson that I learned 
was don't don't mess up again. And excuse my language, I'm not gonna curse, but it it was not even just don't mess up again. It was don't f up again. Don't f up again. Don't f things up again like you did. Don't f things up. That was the lesson that I learned, and I I took that with me. Because that's that's what it was. And I realized that one of the things that the focus missions here at UD said was that when bones that are broken or fractured don't heal properly, they have to break it again so that it could heal again properly. And that hit me. That hit me. It wasn't that I was thinking and sulking again about what I did in the past, but the realization of, no, you didn't fully forgive yourself. You didn't fully forgive yourself, so much so that it's been restricting you in the way you've been living your life. And that was the realization of my root fear. That was the realization of why I struggle with purity so much and anxiety and why Sometimes I just get so in my head about things and I overthink things. One of the best examples for this I've ever been given was from my, my dad when he talked about, uh, when he talks about golf, right? And I, I hope that I can get him on a podcast episode sometime soon to talk about just literally how golf and life correlate. One of those things is a shot, like just a normal shot. You could be like perfectly in the fairway, but... There's so many factors that come into play, like wind or what trees are in your way or where on the green do you want to land it because where is a flag placed? You know, what, what is the slope around the green like? What sand traps are around the green? What water is in play? You know, like so many factors to consider that is so easy, so easy to overthink it. And there comes a, a point in time you know, you reach a certain level with, through hard work, obviously, that you can command the ball to do what you want it to do. And there's so many times where at the highest level, the ball doesn't do what you want it to do, even though you know you can make it. But it's simply because you're overthinking it. You're thinking too much about the things that don't matter, the factors that aren't in play even if you think they're in play, that they're minimal. And yes, every millimeter counts. But the more you think about it, the less free you are from your mindset and having a leisurely mindset, right? Joseph Pieper talks about this, about what, it, what leisure is. He also talked about it in a wild time, it was during the world wars, like, we're in the middle of wars, and you're talking to me about leisure of work? Well, yeah. Having a liberal mindset, I don't mean politically liberal, but a liberal mindset in that you, a free mindset, not worried about all of those other things that might get in the way. And I realized I didn't have that leisurely mindset because I put my value into all of these other things. I put my value into all the other things that God was calling me to, so much so that I forgot my, my initial call. And that's exactly why I chose 
the passage that I did because I received the call to follow Christ fully in seventh grade, eighth grade-ish. And that call was to help those who don't know Christ, help those who, who are far from Christ. And over this retreat, I received a blessing. The priest in this blessing prayed that I would receive this call and that I would be a light to those around me, especially those who are far from him. And that ripped me to pieces because I was so focused on my call to soccer, my call to a relationship, my call to this podcast, my responsibility in my grades, that I lost sight of him. And granted, yeah, it happens often. It happens often with a lot of us. But that's exactly why I'm talking about it, is because it applies to all of us. I know there are so many people in this exact situation. And I'm talking about this. I'm doing this series because I want to continue fulfilling one of the pillars of this podcast, of that mission that Christ gave me, to let you know you're not alone. To let you know you're not alone. Where you're at is okay. There is absolutely no problem with where you're at. There will be a problem if you continue to choose the ways that would take you away from Christ. That includes me. I am not, you know, I'm not exempt from that. That applies to everyone. Because we're not in heaven. We're not perfected yet. We're not where we need to be, where we want to be, and that's fine. But do remember that through our baptism, we have access to the house of God. We have access to the Father's house. And yes, that is the name of the retreat that I went on. But one of the things that they talked about was that there are three ways that we could see God the Father. One of them being a tyrant, distant, or a miser, right? Meaning a miser, meaning God doesn't like want what's, God doesn't want what I want, which is not true. None of those are true. God is not distant, God is not a tyrant, and he's not a miser. God's not just trying to puppeteer you to do something. God's not also just from a distance looking at you like, eh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really care. Because that's not who God is. That, it wouldn't make sense for God to be that way. That's like almost completely contrary. A distant God would be very contrary to the scriptures. I, I can pull out, like, I don't know, like 50 different passages. Even I could flip to a random page and probably point to a verse that says, that shows that God is not a distant God. God's also not a miser. Why? Because the desires that he plants in your heart are good. God plants good desires because he made us good. 
Unfortunately, sometimes our desires just aren't perfect. They're not pure. But the initial desire of what, like, for example, lust. The, de- the desire of lust. Ultimately, that desire is one of love, but it gets twisted when it's not put in the right context. So if God is not any of those things, well, what is he? Well, for one, he's a good, good father. The passage that we spent that retreat was on the prodigal son. And I, I fully encourage you to read the prodigal son. We will do a Alexio with the prodigal son within this series because it's so important for us to know that at any point in time we can run back to him, run back into his arms. And I know for a lot of people, it doesn't feel like he's there. I'm telling you, he is. Whether you know it or believe it or not, God is there because he loves you and In your baptism, you are able to return to the Father, to the creator of all things. And even if you're not baptized, remember, if you can, I encourage you to remember that he is calling you. He's calling you back to him in relationship with him. To receive a love that this world simply cannot offer. Because he created it. He knows what's in it. He didn't create the evil. Evil entered the world through sin. And he knows everything about that too. And he knows it's not good for us. But the God of love wants you to to know truly what love is. The last thing I'll leave off with is this. I've been writing in in the meantime about where I'm at, especially a lot about what it means for us in desolation, what it means to be finding him and to be in relationship with him, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. But I posted this a while on the Instagram. It says, our faith does not rely on our vision or feelings. Thanks be to God. I'll read that again. Our faith does not rely on our vision or feelings. Thanks be to God. Let us then not rely too heavily on such consolations, but rather in our actions do we show true devotion and love of God. Then the God of consolation might see that we are not devoted for consolations but for love of him. That's what it comes down to. When we choose to journey with God, we choose to love him. And if we choose to journey with God, that journey is a process of learning how to give everything up to follow him. Even after Peter, James, and John gave everything up, they still had to learn what that meant to give everything up truly. And they did well. And who's to say that we don't have that same call? And with that, 
I'd like to thank you for, for tuning in and for listening. We're so glad to be back. I'm so glad to be back. I hope that you guys can, can take this, move forward, and again, share it with your friends, share it with whoever you think might need to hear it. And yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys, especially for the prayers. Your prayers and love have been felt. And we'll see you next week when we continue on with this series of journeying. We love you guys.